So as we go to the scripture this morning, um, you've heard me describe this before, and what Robin is going to read this morning is, yep, it looks like it's in the right spot, is Deuteronomy, and it is, it is the Shema. It is that which defined the Jewish people. But what I, I want to remind us that Israel, hear, O Israel, the, the name itself means they who struggle with God and humanity and prevail. And this is the defining element for them. And notice how important it is that it be passed on. And notice how important it is that it become visible. Even to the point of putting it on the doorposts. As a reminder, every time you come in or go out. Or tying it on the wrists of the children or connecting it to your head. And I want you to imagine the Shema has a symbol, an Aramaic symbol that is there. And you've seen Orthodox Jews, some of them walk around with a block on their head with that symbol on it. That is because of this scripture. So hear this scripture as we think about family. The scripture comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, your God, of your ancestors has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart, Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Holy wisdom, holy words. Thanks be to God. So, I asked you a question earlier. And I would invite you to raise your hands, because otherwise we'll all be yelling these out together. And I normally wouldn't do this at second service, but I just thought it would be fun. So, some of the families on television that you grew up with, what, what were they? The Waltons. Mountain family. What was that, Alan? The Brady Bunch. Now, okay... And and remember the song? And and it was a blended family, right? Okay. Waltons were multi-generational family, Dave. Leave it to Beaver. And who was your favorite character in that show? Eddie Haskell. Jeff. Okay, which are families in a different, I mean, families in crisis, and Star Trek, families in crisis. 
So yes, Norman. Ah, Ozzy and Harriet, right? Ozzy and Harriet Nelson, with those incredibly handsome children. Yeah, perfect children in every way. Although one became a musician. So, um, others. Yeah, Bob. Blue Bloods, which is a family of police officers, right, who are trying to care for each other in the midst of just incredible chaos that surrounds them. I really don't watch that much TV. Betsy. Happy days. Happy days. That's right. Yes. Casey. My three sons and the Partridge family. Okay, so my three sons, remember this? Why, why would you begin a television show like this, you know? And Partridge Family, which is a single mom, single mom with a multitude of children, but smart enough to figure out one thing that's going to tie them all together. And you think it's music. I think it was the bus. <laughs> yes. Oh, Little House on the Prairie. Yes, yes. <laughs> All in the family. Oh, my heavens. The racist, bigoted, opinionated, I could go on, and then you have his wife, right? And I mean, the ultimate kind of dingbat, because that's what he called her, right? And the hippie children. Okay, yes. I can't hear you. Loud. I love Lucy, going to the club. Yes. Oh. And father does know best. So father knows best. And remember the courtship of Eddie's father, which was a single dad, trying to survive, I think it was in New York City. How about if I mentioned the most, bar none, the most dysfunctional family ever to hit television? All right. Plus Roseanne, but a different one. Okay, the Ewings. Oh, my heavens, this is amazing. Second service versus first. The Kardashians. Oh, there it is. Thank you very much. The Simpsons. Yes, the Simpsons. And. I mean, uh, let me. Some of the other ones that have been mentioned were uh, All in the Family was there, Partridge Family was there, Bonanza and the Cartwrights, Single Dad, Three Sons, um, plus an adopted child. Um, I love this one, The Jetsons, <laughs> which I put in here is not real. Um, uh, let's see, what's the one about uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air? And what was the one, do you remember? I mean, some of us growing up, some of. Uh, the one with the three dads and the kids. Oh, Bob yeah, Bob Saget was one. Full house. Full house. That that was it. What about Donna Reed? Donna Reed. Oh, we are aging ourselves. Okay. Ah, the Beverly Hillbillies. I have to share with you at first service. Guess who talked about the Beverly Hillbillies? Roger. So um, I'm going to go on. Jeff, did you have one more? Oh, and 
We got to spend time with June Lockhart, who was, you know, the mother in Lassie when we were in Santa Monica. And, and with and with Beaver, with the Beaver, yeah. from Leave It to Beaver, we got to spend time with him. It just was amazing to sit and see these folks. And June Lockhart is exactly like her character. Yes, another one. What was it? Andy Griffith. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of them. And, and you know, I'll bet if I said one or three or seven that you could sing the song that goes with them. What is it about television that if you look at one of the most, beyond the medical and cop shows, one of the most common themes throughout history of television is family. I mean, look at today. You have the family man, you have modern family. You, I mean, you look around, and it is, why is that? That family is one of the most consistent themes in the history of television. Why? Because we can relate. Yeah. Because everyone can relate. Because everyone can relate or not. I mean, Leave it the Beaver was the ultimate show for us growing up in that era, and yet there could be no further family from ours then leave it to Beaver. So here, I, uh, me being me, I looked up what the meaning of family is in the American Heritage College Dictionary. Five, five examples, five definitions. Number one, a fundamental social group in society typically consisting of at least one parent and offspring. Number two, two or more people who share um, goals and values. Three, a group of related individuals who have commitments to one another and who often reside in the same place. Then number four, a family includes all the members of a household. Number five, a family is a group of individuals sharing the same ancestry. Well, I want to I tell you that over the next two months, we're going to explore all manner of issues and opportunities around family. And uh, I, I will share, you know, if I look around the congregation, first and second service, we literally have the whole popsicle idea of what family is. Uh, everything represented, and, and I will tell you that for years, Dorothy and I didn't talk about our family because it was in a time and in a church where we met and were married that just wasn't as open and as, as accepting 25 years ago as we are today, and yet here we are, and I will tell you that um, she, Dorothy has two children, had two children, Ben and Laura, and Lou was their dad. And I remember sitting um, with Lou at one point in a somewhat confined space and asking Lou, as Dorothy and I got married, if I could adopt his children. And as we sat in that space and both of us breaking down and him saying yes, and so was able to adopt Ben and Laura in front of a judge, and suddenly they became my children. They will never not be loose children, but they became my children, and the birth certificates that they had and have were changed to reflect that. After Barbara and I got divorced, and, uh, and we had Adam together, and I will tell you, that there is no question that as Adam talks to Dorothy, that she is his other mom. I mean, the way these two communicate is just phenomenal, and it wasn't as formal, more informally, but Adam is as much 
Dorothy's child as he is mine. And then came the surprise. (laughs) And we had Cora. We are as much a yours, mine, and ours family as almost anyone. And people always, we would, we would try and avoid the whole divorce conversation, um, but then they would ask the, of course, which everybody asks, how old are your children? How long have you been married? Well, that's the other one. How long have you been married? Our children are almost exactly six years apart, all of them. 18, 24, 30, and 36. And yet, they are still all our children. We are a family. Families come in all kinds of configurations, and even television represented that, didn't they? And now we have gay families with children, even on television. And it's become much more accepting and much more a part of the the landscape and, and it's here we are in the Pacific Northwest, and that is a part of who we are. And included in that is the church, that families come in all kinds of what? Flavors. What's amazing is that one of the things that, that happens is when multiple families come together, and I, I, I have to go back to this certain wedding that happened, is it two or three weeks ago now, time has just flown by, and here we had Alina Bennett and David Thurman. We were down in Maple Valley, and what was a couple who were boyfriend, girlfriend, then fiancés were married in a covenantal wedding ceremony, and suddenly at that point, they became a family, the two of them. But they came from different families. And what was amazing with four of the Bennetts sitting here this morning is the photos that happened afterwards, and there had to have been 60 Bennetts for this one photograph. I'm not exaggerating, right? I mean, it looked like 60 people. There was a lot of Bennetts. But then came the Thurman pictures, and there were like a tenth or even less, like ten. And, but... Both were families, both had heritage, both came together, and what happens then is if and when Alina and David have children, they will also be embraced by this wider family, and once they're born, we hope that they get a name, and I have to tell you that Monica um, Ludke brought her newborn baby to worship this morning, and do you know what his first name is? Vander, which means child of. And the next two names have to do with their two families and then the last name. And it is beautiful that here he was for the first time in church on Sunday where we're talking about family. Now, enough with all the definition stuff. The other thing we have to ask is, and I want to ask these questions of you, um, because one of the things that we seek, I think, in the church is to try and create an atmosphere where families, no matter the configuration, no matter whether you're a single adult in here who may have lost a spouse, or a single adult here who may not have a spouse, or any other member of the configuration, part of what we seek to do as a church is to create an atmosphere of moving toward even healthier 
families. So here's a couple questions to ask. If I can find them in my notes. As couples, when was the last time the two of you sat down and set goals together? And I don't just mean financial. Goals that included deepening your relationship, sharing your hopes and dreams of what you could become together. Even like my parents, you've been married for 65 years. When was the last time you intentionally got help with your relationship? And more, sought help specifically or being intentional about strengthening your relationship? When was the last time you studied something together? Something that could even help your relationship or or strengthen your faith? If you had children, if you have children, when was the last family meeting just to check in to see how everyone was doing? And when was the last time you sat around a dinner table together not watching television? Parents, do you assume that your children know your expectations, the rules of the household, your hopes for them, and the incredible importance of the specific roles and responsibilities they have that, if done, will help strengthen the household? Do you have specific roles and responsibilities like laundry or garbage or yard work or other tasks? Do they know specifically what you expect? And have you helped them in gaining confidence in those expectations? And as we're finding, even with our 24-year-old, not everyone knows how to load a dishwasher. (laughs) If you are single, no matter what that means for you, When was the last time you wrote a personal note to a friend seeking to deepen that relationship? Here's another one for parents. Last time you and your spouse argued or fought, did the children see you intentionally move toward an accomplished resolution for whatever was at the center of that argument? When was the last time anyone, and I'm asking this of everyone, anyone heard you say, I'm sorry? Are your children proud of you? Do you know? When was the last time you told them that you were proud of them for something real and significant? I love this one. When was the last time your children saw you fully relaxed? Finally, do they know exactly where you stand on the issues that surround us today? And I mean all the issues where you stand around a presidential election and who you may be voting for and why, where you stand on drug abuse or alcohol use or any of the other things that surround our kids today. One of the most specific things that those of us who come out of research are concerned about today is the use of the Internet. Do they know where you stand on the use of the Internet and have you set boundaries around some of that? My whole point on this is that healthy relationships, no matter what they are, take time, they take intentionality, they take practice, and sometimes we fail. And one of the songs that was sung at first service is this beautiful song about forgiveness. And there's a whole story behind it I don't have time to share with you this morning, but asking, seeking, receiving, and accepting forgiveness are also significant parts of healthy relationships. And it is incredible how few times in many of our lives those things happen. But it is part of what creates 
health. So over the next few weeks, here's some of the things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about noticing. I read an article out of Optimism magazine, or Optimist magazine last week that says that you know that most of us only notice 4% of what goes on around us. 4%. I want you to think about that when it comes to relationships. 4%. And the only way to move toward that greater 96% is to make intentional decisions around noticing things. I know that I fail miserably at noticing certain things with my spouse. I notice a whole lot more with my children, and Dorothy will attest to that. I know that there are times where I fail miserably about noticing things in the church, and I'm working on that. Four percent. Can you imagine what would happen in relationships if we expanded even to five or six or 10% noticing. I want to talk again about research around risk factors. What places our children and youth at risk? And now that extends into young adulthood. And what can we do as individuals, organizations, and particularly as a church to reduce risk? And I will tell you right now, one of the greatest things we can do is something we're doing at the mini mission trip. And that is helping any of our children know without question that they can make a significant difference in the life of another human being. That's why those smiley faces are up there. And that's why I want to encourage every family to come and bring food and fill in a smiley face and talk to their children about where that food is going to go. Or to go continue to split wood or build things or do what needs to be done at Lazy F knowing the amount of folks that that will influence and impact. I want you to know one of the most moving things at confirmation last week was watching all of the kids going through confirmation come upstairs and tie knots and pray for each other on the prayer squares knowing that prayer is a powerful thing, and now they're noticing your prayers. As those knots continue to grow in those threads, they know that you are praying for them. And it's a huge thing that we do as a family of faith. I want to make sure that we all understand what it takes to bring Christ back to the middle, back to the center of the family, and even to the center of the community. That is something that will help create health. And I want to talk about, again, what the church as family means. And it means a lot. Those are some of the things that I want to talk about. But I can't wait, particularly for spouses, to come to the noticing sermon. Noticing. 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 Why all of this? Because of the scripture that Robin read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Jesus added Leviticus 19, 18. 
and you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Remind your children of this. Tie it on their wrists so that they are never to forget. Put it on the doorposts of your homes so that it is never forgotten. Help it define your life in every way, even to the point of putting it on your forehead to remind you of the discomfort of that, that God is there and that you are to follow. Family. Family. It all has to do with family. So I ask for your prayers as we move in this direction for these next 10 weeks. And I'm excited about what we're going to do. And next Sunday, you're going to hear two people from this church who come from polar opposite directions and yet have found themselves here because they feel like this is family. So as we prepare for that, will you pray with me? God, we are family. We do teach our children Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Sometimes good things, sometimes not good things. But in this space, in this place, whether upstairs or downstairs, our role is to bring you to them. Through us, through our lives, through the way that we treat each other and treat them. God, I ask your blessing on this time as a church as we explore family and invite the preschool parents to come and be a part of all of this and help us be the examples that you need us to be, not just with our children, but with each other, no matter the configuration of what family may be for us. We ask your blessing in this time, all this in Christ's name. And part of it is to build a sanctuary. Amen.